some people in our business, I'm sure in yours as well, like they think they're going to wake up in the morning and they're just going to go around and deliver good news all day. And it's going to be, you know, uh, rainbows and butterflies. And so one of the things that I, I coach on a lot is like, you got to be ready for at least five haymakers per day, per day. If you get through the day, if it's four o'clock and you've only taken two, well, you got three or four more coming, like strap up, get ready for the fight. Like this is, it's not going to be easy. Right. So it's like, I feel like a lot of people wake up and mentally they're just not ready for one haymaker. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Big Fish Cares Podcast. I have a great guest, someone I've been getting to know uh, over the last four or five years as uh, we've been growing our careers here in Pittsburgh. Kevin O'Glocklin joins us today. He is the hardest working loan officer in Pittsburgh, maybe in the country. He is the leader of the KO Mortgage Lending Team based in Pittsburgh. Uh, he partnered up with uh, the CEO, Casey Crawford, to bring Movement Mortgage to Pittsburgh in 2016. And he's been rated the number one purchase loan officer in Pittsburgh. And they've uh, they've been growing, man. You guys have been killing it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm really glad you had some time to, to come on the show today. This is going to air a couple days after your big event yep. uh, in Pittsburgh that uh, we're a part of. You know, yeah. so we're excited to sponsor that and and be up there. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, man. No, super pumped for the event and. Uh, Big Fish is our marquee sponsor, so thank you, man, for the support, and uh, we're super excited. It's, it's literally going to be the biggest uh, residential real estate event ever held in Pittsburgh, so we're, we're super excited about that. Um, but yeah, man, so I grew up uh, about an hour south of Buffalo, New York, in a super small town called Olean, New York, where the population size is, I don't even know, like nothing. It's a, basically like farm town, like crazy small area. Um, grew up there, man, and... Uh, Kind of grew up in a, my father owned a car dealership. Um, so grew up around that and got to see that. And, and my dad, you know, work hard over the years and, you know, over summers and stuff, I'd be working at the car dealership. So kind of, um, you know, got some of my initial work experience, you know, doing that. And uh, I am a diehard Bills fan. So, you know, that's timely. Pittsburgh uh, fans, you know, don't hate too much. I'm, I'm, I'm from uh, upstate. So so by the time this airs, the Bills could actually be getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you what, it's going to be in that in between week when this thing comes out. <laughs> yep. If if that happens, I'm taking a loan against my 401k to buy tickets to go to that Super Bowl. So you're going to uh, need it. What are, what are Super Bowl tickets cost nowadays? I 10 would, grand a piece, probably. I was literally it's looking. in Vegas, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was looking yesterday, and I think the cheapest ticket I could find was like $11,000 on Ticketmaster. I'm so. actually, so they have the biggest roofing conference. It's called the International Roofing Exhibition, and it's going to be in Vegas this year. And it's like the week before the Super Bowl, so like everything's expensive. Tickets, yep. hotels, flights. I don't know why they had it this week. I get I get it. The roofers are going to be drawn, you know, contractors want to be drawn to the party scene of Vegas. Yep, yep. I'm not sure how much of the conference they're going to go to, but that's a cool little story. So car, car business, man. So you grew yeah. up in the car business. I, I got my... My, I got my roots in the car car sales when I turned 18. What was it like growing up there and like seeing your your dad be a car guy? Yeah, so I was always uh, pretty heavy into sports, you know. So I played basketball and football growing up mainly. And uh, my dad and brother were mainly in the car business. Like my brother knew like by the time he was 10 years old, like he's going to take over the car dealership. He's the one in it. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. Right? Why was uh, that? I was just so into sports. I'm like, I'm going to be a GM of a sports team. Like any, any athlete uh, okay. in middle school yeah. and high school, you know, they think they're going to be a GM of a sports team. Right. So, um, 
it, it was it was cool to see though like i remember there would be some summers where i had like a parks and recs job like where i you know you'd coordinate you know games at a park over summer to entertain like kids and whatnot and i remember getting a call from my dad being like hey um kev um I fired my detailer. Uh, that job you're supposed to have with Parks and Rec this summer, yeah, you're uh, you're not doing that. Uh, you're gonna need to come detail cars for me this summer. So I can remember being out on the car lot, you know, washing car by car outside in the sun in the summer, like not pulling them into the you know the, the detail you know bay with a pressure washer like garden hose scrubbing yeah. car by car and then if, if you sprayed the wrong way you'd get the next car wet and dirty that you just washed it like man i mean that that's kind of so it's kind of like uh mr miyagi and karate kid he's out there <laughs> wash all the cars yeah. kevin son yeah. <laughs> wash all the cars exactly exactly man so it was um you know, how'd you feel about that like when you were like did you feel like you were just like the uh <laughs> the runt of the family getting like all the crappy jobs or like, did you want to do something different? Like I, I honestly didn't mind it from what I recall. Right. Like I didn't mind it, you know, it was, you know, earning money over the summer, keeping me out of trouble type of thing. Um, and then, you know, I, I got to watch like super nice cars sometimes, you know, it was like a GM store. They had Cadillacs and stuff. So like, like early on, I learned an appreciation of like, Hey, if you want a car like that one day, you gotta, you gotta work, man. You gotta go to work and show up and stuff. And, you know, my dad, you know, he was seven days a week, man, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day, small town GM dealer, you know, how many cars, how many sales guys would they have there? Do you remember? Not many. Like it was, okay. a, it was a small dealership. All they were right. probably doing 20 to 30 cars a month. Oh, okay. New and used. So uh, it, probably one or two sales, anywhere from yeah. one to three salesmen at a time, but it was mainly him, you know, just, just working around the clock so it was cool getting to see that you know growing up and appreciation for for hard work and everything and um you know eventually you know i i the sports career didn't work out when i started in college i went to saint bonaventure university which was kind of like right in the, the same hometown area and uh, i started out with a sports studies degree okay what is that so is that like is that like basket weaving <laughs> for sports like what is that like so, sports studies <laughs> i think it was sports studies specialized in like marketing or something so it was like still having that dream of like you know i played a little college basketball got hurt and it's like okay i'm gonna go into like be a gm and then i don't know something clicked one day where it was like all right, I can't jump that high. I'm a good shooter, but like not good enough. Uh, I'm going to have to like find a way to make money from business and not sports. And then I think it was like sophomore year, I switched majors and just did like a general business, you know, was specialized in finance. And, and that's where I kind of like made the transition. Like the sports industry isn't going to make. Did you, did your parents think that maybe you might go into the FNI department at the, at the dealership with that finance degree? Or? I mean, I think it was always, you know, discussed and I'm sure my dad would have, would have liked to see that. But like between my dad and my brother and I, we all knew we couldn't work under one roof just with our personalities. So we're, we're I just kind of had always veered right. Like I'm not doing the dealership thing, like from the very beginning. Is so. there any other moments like from your childhood that you think significantly shaped you like who you are today? Um, man, I think, uh, you know, sports honestly, like played a big role, you know, like just having, you know, the competitive sports just kind of really, I think is what drives me like making money is, is great. Don't get me wrong. But what drives me more than anything is like our company has a leaderboard that's mm. posted live every single day, you know, and it's like just looking at that leaderboard. And I think I got all that just from the sports background, you know, in the, in my childhood and everything. Um, and definitely, you know, just, you know, 
my both my parents you know they didn't come from much so, so knowing that like i always kind of knew that you know hard work was like there, there, there wasn't like a path paved where you're just going to make tons of money and kick your legs up. So I, you know, I think early on, it's like, you're going to have to go out there and make a name for yourself. And, and, uh, I feel like I learned that pretty early on. So it's interesting. Um, you know, and I don't know your parents, but it seems like they're, you know, pretty successful, you know, um, and you got to see that. So you're kind of like a, did they come like, were their parents successful or did they like, did they f- grind and figure out everything on their own or like, what was their path? Yeah, man. So my mom's side, I mean, like dirt poor, like they made their own clothes and stuff. Okay. Right? So like right. they just have a different level of appreciation. And a lot of people on my mom's side, like my one uncle went on to, you know, uh, own like four or five McDonald's at a time. And he just retired recently, but he literally started working at McDonald's when he was in his teens. He I love there. those stories. He worked there for 50 years, flipping <sighs> burgers and just worked his way up and then became an owner. And he just sold all of his stores and retired and dude came from nothing, you know? So getting to see that was super impactful, mm. you know, and, and seeing the grind. And then my dad's side, he, he definitely had a little bit more of a path just because the, there was, his father was in the car business and had a dealership as well. And it was kind of like in a way passed down. Mm. Um, but okay. My dad had to So your dad was like a generation. So like, it's kind of been, what about your grandpa? Did he have, how did he get in the car business? Like, cause like car business, I feel like when you think about people that own car dealerships, it is an old school industry, right? right. I mean, it can't go back any further than 19, like 20. So, right. um, it was a, it was a generational thing on, on that side. So, you know, my grandpa, I think before he got into the GM product line, like, there was like Studebakers or something that was connected to my family that he started in and it just kind of kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And at one point in, um, gosh, I don't know exactly what year this was, but when my dad was operating the dealership, we were the oldest Cadillac dealer in New York state at one point, like this small wow. little, so we, we sold a lot of Cadillacs yeah. um, and there was a lot of history, you know, behind that and everything. And the reason I'm asking these questions is cause like, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to raise our kids, right? Like how we're going to, um, you know, there's, it's like I came from pretty much nothing and it's like, all right, now I want to give my kids everything. Right. Cause right. it's like, wow. Right. <laughs> but then I think like, well, if I do that, well, they get to experience like all the struggle and the adversity, maybe that you're like your mom experienced. Right. right? And will they have the, the much, the gratitude and the appreciation seems like you got a little bit of both, right? Like you're, I'm sure that, you know, your dad probably didn't have to struggle as bad as your grandpa sure. and your grandpa probably didn't have to struggle as bad as his grand grandpa, right. but your mom struggled. Right. right. And so how do you feel like, how do you feel like the right way is to like raise our kids? Right. Cause you just got married, right? <laughs> yeah. You have a baby right yeah, now. Yeah, Are you yeah. having another one? Not, no, not yet. Not All right. Yet, I wasn't sure. I can't keep up with you, man. You got a lot of cool <laughs> stuff happening. The, the wife is, uh, you know, we, we definitely want to have more if we're, if we're blessed, you know, but right now we just have one six month old at home. And, um, that's a funny question, man. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I did have an easier path than most growing up. You know, I, 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 we didn't have to fight to keep the electric on and, you know, I had good education. I went to a private Catholic high school, you know, um, so I, I was definitely given the opportunities that, that many weren't. And I, I don't know exactly. I think I credit it to honestly, the competitiveness of sports on where my drive comes from, because like, I could just mooch off my dad probably and like just live at home. Well, you know, other guys much. that have, I'm right. sure, I'm sure right, you went right, to right. school with tons of people right. had a similar background and they're not where you're at today. So I'm also trying to figure out, all right, cool. If my son is like a, a little mini Kevin, right. How do I 
make sure Sammy like turns out to be Kevin and not one of Kevin's bum friends is mooching <laughs> off his dad, right? That's what I'm trying to figure out. That's what I want to figure out. Oh man, I think it's it's maybe I should interview your dad. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's crazy just like looking at my own family and all my cousins and, and everything. Like it's like okay, well they had a decent path, but they went left, and mm-hmm. they had a similar path, and they went right. And it's like figuring all that out, man. I think it's I think it's tough, but I, I definitely think there has to be some sort of balance of like you can't give your kid everything. They have to learn, you know, hard work and and chores, and you know, I think I think confidence is really built upon finding success in your own way and figuring out on your own. If you have a dad that just clears the path for you all the time and you never experience an obstacle and a challenge, I feel like challenges and obstacles are really what make us who we are and allow us to gain the experience and the confidence. I feel like a lot of it comes down to confidence. If you don't have confidence in business or anything you're doing in life, how can you really succeed? Like if you're trying to sell a product, a service, run a business, lead people, influence people, if you're not confident in what you're doing or saying, you're not going to get that far, right? And to me, confidence comes from overcoming challenges on your own or with very little help, right? So if we're clearing those paths all the time for our kids, like, are we setting them up for failure? You know, so I feel like it's a, a balance that I've been thinking about myself. Like, how how do we figure this out, man? Because you want to give them everything. We, wor- we worked hard and bust our ass to get where we are today. We want to, ha- to have them the best of everything. But where's the... <laughs> the fine line and balance, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll meet up in 20 years again and we'll, we'll look back and we'll watch this podcast and then we'll release another episode about like what actually happened and how we navigated yep. that. Was there a moment um, in your life where you felt like everything was like falling apart and like, you know, how'd you navigate that? Cause you just talked about challenges, right? So yeah. like, what is that? What is that defining moment that you look yeah. at your life and say, man, I felt like I was like just in the black hole. Yeah, man. That's uh that's a really good one. So, for me, I would say um, uh, after college, I went to work for a, um, a bank out of uh, my hometown in New York. <clears throat> my dad actually helped set me up with the internship there, and I was basically doing auto loans for three years. I was approving auto loans that partly like my dad's dealership would send their <laughs> loans and customers to get a loan through this bank. Um they actually, after doing auto loans for them for about two or three years, they are the ones that moved me to Pittsburgh. So thank you to Community Bank NA out of only in New York for bringing me to Pittsburgh. And um, they just kind of set me out and they're like, go build a market. We have no market share in Pittsburgh. Run around to car dealerships and um, get them to use our bank for auto financing. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I've never left home. I was ready to get out. So I'm just running around to all the Pittsburgh car dealerships, knocking on their door, trying to talk to their F and I's and be like, hey, give us a shot, you know, send your loans through our bank. So I did that for about a year. And after a year, I was out producing some of my peers in similar roles at the bank. And, um, you know, it was a very old school bank, a very conservative bank. And they're basically like, once you're here for two years, you go to this pay scale. Once you're here for four years, you go to this pay scale, like your performance there wasn't commission tied to my performance. Mm. So I'm like, I'm probably 22 at the time. And I just finished up my MBA and I'm like, this just makes no sense. So I could like kill it and sign a hundred dealers up and my pay wouldn't change. So I, I just started to applying for jobs on LinkedIn anywhere warm. I'm like, grew up in the Buffalo area. You know, I'm here in Pittsburgh now, you know, for a year doing that car. It's a little warmer, but not much. A little warmer, still freaking cold. You yeah. know, so I'm clicking on LinkedIn. They make it real easy. You literally just click apply and it just uploads like your profile for the job or whatever. So I'm clicking in Texas, Cali, Carolinas, Florida. 
I'm like, anywhere warm, you know? And it, it, it takes me to Houston, Texas, where I took a job. I uh, packed up all my stuff, uh, went out to Houston, didn't know a single person in Houston. And the, the job ad said high commission. High commission, you can make six figures in your first year. I'm like coming off probably a 40K-ish comp plan. I'm like, all right, let's 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 take the chance. So pack up, move to Houston, and I find myself in the mortgage business. Um, I was like an online call center uh, mortgage service. My, my boss basically had a website that posed that we were like the USDA loans and we weren't. And so we would just pick up the phone, take inbound leads from this website, 10 hours a day, smiling and dialing. Fast forward three months into doing that, that online system model was like every person you talk to, just give them a pre-qualification letter. Whether they're good, whether they qualify or not, we don't have the time to actually make sure to see if they qualify. Give them the letter real quick, make it easy on them. And then once they go under contract to buy a home, then we'll underwrite it and make sure they qualify. On a given week, I'd probably tell five people per week that they couldn't purchase the home that I gave them a letter saying they could purchase the home mm. for. Um, Three months into that, I lost about 30 pounds. I lost about 30 pounds just from stress. I would literally come home on my lunch breaks and cry because of the stress of that job. It was like actual tears? Actual tears. Actual tears. Like it was a high pressure environment. Like mm. someone would get fired like every day. It was like the Wolf of Wall Street of mortgage, right? You would come in, people are screaming, you're on the phone. <laughs> Next thing you know, this person's getting fired. Next time you know, the boss is calling a meeting and just like screams at someone because they messed something. Like it was crazy. Was there midget bowling involved? <laughs> uh, no, but at one point I did get to see a midget uh, a kiss band perform. So that was interesting. <laughs> that was a different boss in the mortgage industry. Um, so that for me, like my first year in the business working for this guy in Texas, who was probably the shadiest dude in the mortgage business, um, worked for him for a year. Like that first year was mortgage hell. Why'd you stay so long? Um, I wanted to see it through. I, I, I knew I wasn't going to be with this guy a long time, but like after three months, I was his number one performer. Mm. So, so like I had climbed his you know office ladder so like he would give me some perks and benefits like i remember winning like a free cruise uh so we went on a cruise and i got to bring a buddy and stuff so like at that time like i had no money he was, was like buying your love yeah. almost like and like and then let me, let me ask you this question when you were crying when you're going back to your apartment you know i'm assuming, assuming you didn't have a ton of friends down yeah. there and you weren't that yeah. connected like were you calling anybody back home were you calling your mom or dad like were you asking questions or were you just kind of keeping it all balled up inside uh dude i'm not one of those people that shares emotions so like that was just i think i've told five people that i i've cried from that job so um definitely kept it in and uh that was a huge like it was hell in the moment um but I learned so much in mm. such a short period of time, dude, that like, that's really what the fact that I muscled through that mentally and physically, like got through that part from there, like everything was up and it was almost like that was my test. And I was either going to push through and make it to the other side or I was going to fold. And, and I was, I, I had moved out to Texas. I think I remember my dad telling me like, 
I can't believe you're quitting this bank because he played a role in like getting me the internship. Oh yeah, that's a real. That. Well, that's a real job. You know, right. that's a safe. Right. That's a safe old school hundred year business. Yes. Been around yes. just like the car dealership. The Correct. banks, you know, they're like in bed together. <laughs> yeah, my dad's the most conservative human you'll ever meet. Um, and he, I think, so where you get a little bit of your risk from because you probably yeah. watch so like you For know sure. like I don't know your dad's probably like this right. He's yeah. got he's got like a straight line that just goes like yeah. this. You're trying to like yeah. go like that. My, my dad has never bought a home. Literally, his home was given to him, and he's never bought a home and you know he's been in the same home ever since like very conservative small town guy right yeah so he's like i set you up with that internship and that job and he was friends with my boss at the old bank and i, I loved my boss trying to keep you safe yeah, bro yeah, we're he, trying to keep our kids safe <laughs> <yeah>. he's like <laughs> you're making a mistake and i had another mentor at the time that i respected a lot and like he was one of my professors in college and i sent him the background on my new boss in texas like hey do you think this is legit it sounds too good to be true and my that mentor even told me like dude, don't like this guy seems like a phony dude ended up being a phony, but I, I learned so much during that process and, and made it through the pain that like, I would never be where I am today without going through that. So mm. for me, that was a defining moment, you know, uh, to persevere through that and just to talk about being out of your comfort zone, man, I was 22 small town, right. You know, pick up and move to Texas, Texas, right. I get there, dude. <laughs> I remember one of my friends were in one weekend and we went out um, to like a bar and it was called Big Texas. Okay, I lived about I lived about 20 to 30 minutes north of Houston is a, a, a suburb called Kingwood is a very, you know, residential suburban area. There's this place called Big Texas. I think it's still there today. And uh, so we're, we're pulling up like this is like the spot on a Saturday night or something. Dude, we pull into the parking lot jacked up truck after jacked up truck cowboy hats cowboy belt buckles you know and me and my friend walking we got like a little ralph loren shirt on like some nice yeah, little, 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 little preppy boys from yeah. the northeast yeah yeah and uh <laughs> dude so we, we roll up into this place it looks like a, a walmart like shopping center i'm like how can this be a bar right so <laughs> everything's like, big in texas yeah, bro yeah, <laughs> You go on the uh, the eight lane highway in Houston, Texas, and drive on that. Oh my! Like that is an experience in itself. But um, so we walk into this place, and you know, there's like 15 pool tables to your right where people are playing pool. There's like bars in every section of this place. In the middle is a like uh, like an almost like an ice skating rink like circle, and in the middle is a is a like separate bar. And I never knew this, but in Texas, they do this like two-step Texas dance. And then there's like cowboys like going around in circles, doing this two-step like sliding. We get a couple of drinks in us. We're like, all right, you know, we're going to get out there and show these guys. We're out there trying to do this Texas two-step. Everyone in the place is just <laughs> laughing at us. Like we're so out of place, man. Like couldn't be more out of place. So just being so uncomfortable, so far away from home, like that was such a wake up defining moment for me that I think catapulted, uh, you know, my success. Looking back, um, like what's one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self about the road ahead? Oh man. Um, I would probably say, um, just to never retreat, you know, um, I, I think I could have easily retreated, um, you know, in those early years and just having like the, the mindset to just see it through. And people think that, you know, you're going to make it to success and stardom, you know, within 12 months, a lot of the millennials, I'm a millennial, but how old are you now? I'm 33. Okay. 
Um, but you know, a lot of people from 20 to 35 years old right now, like they think, you know, you're just going to rise to the top overnight. You're going to get, you're never going to have to work a weekend or night. So I think just, you know, I would tell my, my younger self, like, you know, persevere and, and just keep trudging forward, man, on, on the path and, and never give in, never give up and find patience in it too. You know, like, I think it's really hard to have patience, you know, um, which, I think that's one of my strengths, but also one of my biggest weaknesses, right? Like if I was patient, I would have sat at that job at that bank for another five years in Pittsburgh before I started applying for jobs online. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Gary V talks about that. Gary V talks about having macro patience, but micro hustle. Yes. Right. So uh, like hustle through the micro things that you need to do, but have have a lot of. Um, have a lot of patience for the, the, the journey ahead, right? Especially yeah. especially the people that are 22, 33, even like I'm 42. Like right. I'm still, it's still like, I still got 40, 50 years ahead of me. Right. Like that's such a long time. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a long time. It's, it's very, patience is a very, it's, it's, it's very difficult for me in the, in the short term. And because of the drive that you have, the, right. that, that gene, I mean, right. you, I'm assuming that you have this driven gene. I read, a, I read a book by Douglas Brackman called Driven. He talks about the DNA. I mean, I think it's wired in us. I think there's, um, you know, do they say are entrepreneurs uh, birthed or are they created? And I think that you are birthed, but then you're also created at the same time. Right. Because um, I don't think it's for everyone. That, yeah. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I think there's a unique human out there that has to go against the status quo. Right. And for you, the status quo was safe lifestyle, car dealership, right. bank, go to college. Right. Like we all know those guys that just, take the path right safe you know maybe a little bit boring especially right. to some people like that like take a little risk um but the growth that you've experienced i mean like i'm, I'm sure your family's proud of you right oh yeah man now I'm, right yeah, like now yeah. now now In the moment like, now that, yeah it was the worst decision i've ever made you know, yeah you're but, like the kid that's running away <laughs> yeah it, it's it's just crazy like my hometown it, it with all due respect like it is somewhat of like a black hole you know like i have college and high school friends that are still there and still doing the same thing probably got friends the same that, but place, dudes that are like, dead probably drug overdoses <laughs> yeah, yeah. alcohol i mean i know yeah. a bunch of people man that's uh yeah that's wild what um can you share any um moments of like unexpected joy or gratitude that have like that like when you when you hear those words that like just washed over you one day like when you're just sitting around and like you know you've thought in a place like that give me one of those experiences yeah man so um for me, honestly, like, like we kind of talked about earlier, I feel like I have been pretty dang blessed, you know, through my entire life. Like I hadn't, my biggest hardship was that moment, you know, with getting out of my comfort zone, going to Texas and experiencing the pain of like just letting customers down. I feel like that's very mild compared to what, you know, some people grow up in. Right. So I feel like I've had it you know, relatively like an easy, easy life. Like I, I well, create, yeah, but right? you've created but, your own hardship. Right? We all have, we all have those hardships. Right. What about so, getting out of that mess though? Cause like you told me basically it was a pretty miserable place, like working for that guy. Was it harder to get out from like that? Or did you get forced out or like, it was, uh, it, it was pretty hard. Um, to get out just because like I was his number one guy and everything. Yeah, it's like so, the mafia, right? Like yeah. once they suck you in, yeah. you can't get out, right? So I had actually moved back to Pittsburgh after being with him for a year and um, worked remote from Pittsburgh for him. 
And then at that time, we started to solicit movement mortgage and stuff because it was just a way better fit, you know, for my business. But yeah, I wouldn't say we ended on <laughs> great terms. Yeah, that's um, why I was curious. Like, what was harder <laughs> for you? Like, going down there and experiencing that for a year or like you know, getting out and like moving on to a new career? Um, he, he just wasn't uh, a person that like I... I, I'm thankful for him and the role he played in, in, in my development and mm -hmm. career because I wouldn't be where I am without that experience. But also he wasn't someone that I necessarily looked up to when I like saw his life, saw what he did. And then it's like this Casey Crawford figure at movement comes across my desk and I'm like, now that is someone I'm inspired by. I want to work with mm. and for. And so that's kind of what drew, drew me away from my boss in Texas. And then eventually over to movement, I, I actually begged our CEO for a job on LinkedIn uh, for several months uh, to, to get set up with movement in Pittsburgh. But besides the point, you know, your question was, you know, the, the gratitude uh, moment. And I think for me, um, having that relatively easy upbringing and, and finding success at an early age, for me, the biggest moment of gratitude personally was like when we had our baby six months ago, you know, like, I mean, going through the birth experience, like, as you know, is like, craziest thing in the world to to witness that and then my gratitude for my wife like went through the roof i'm like i could never personally do this myself nope, nope. <laughs> and then just seeing what she does on a daily basis now like i'm like how like could i ever thank this woman enough you know so like for me like the gratitude definitely came from like becoming a father and and just going through that experience and it's like you know, I see my baby every morning, get to hang out. And it's like, how can I have a bad day? You know, and don't get me wrong. Like by the time I get to 5 p.m. and you take a couple of haymakers to the face, you're like, fuck this, fuck that. You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to say you that, can do whatever you want, man. This is an authentic <laughs> show, bro. Like this is like this is real life of like yeah. what it's like to be yeah. like an entrepreneur, like what it's like to even people that aren't entrepreneurs. I mean, we all have challenges, right? Like we all have like moments that we can look at and be very proud of and excited for. And then there's going to be a lot of uh, moments that we can look at and think that they're bad or like this is, but, but when you, you know, 10 years goes by, you look back at that moment, that's what made you, right? right? Those, those, those painful moments, if you turn those into purpose, right? They can really have a, a, a lasting effect on your life. hundred percent. When you talk about your wife, I really see you like light up yeah. and, um, and seeing that birth experience, do you have a different appreciation now for your mom? Like that you maybe didn't have and like that you're like, wow. Cause like a lot of times we grow up with moms and they're just our mom. Right. And like, like, but we don't realize what they've had to go through. And then the worry that they have right. constantly, even for you now as the 33 year old guy, I'm sure your mom still thinks about you every day. Is Kevin okay? Yeah. Is Kevin being a good dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is he supporting his wife? Yeah. Like, Yeah, man. No, it, it definitely opens your eyes for sure. And like now that like my mom helps out, you know, with the baby and stuff and that's cool to see that. Oh, do they live down here? My mom lives in, in Florida. Okay. Uh, but she's been coming up and visiting a lot. So she'll All stay, right. you know, with us yeah. for a week. And it's it's just a cool process, you know, to see her connect with the baby and everything. And then it, it definitely opens your your eyes to be like, wait, so all this stuff my wife did, my mom had to do for me, right? And like, I'm so grateful for my wife to do what she's done, knowing that like, when my wife and I got together, you know, it was one of these things where it's like, Hey, I'm different than most dudes you're going to meet. Like I'm, I'm not about going out every weekend and, and partying. Like I'm really a career guy. I want to build this business. And as you know, like that's a big 
different role to accept. Like this isn't a nine to five and off on weekends and we're going to hang out 24 seven. So like my wife got behind that, knew what she was signing up for and like, don't get it twisted. Like I work from home. Right. So like I probably get to see my baby more than most people do that are working a nine to five. Right. And, I, and I'm blessed for that. But also like on the weekends, I'm working a lot, you know, so just to see her accept that role and, and really own it and be okay and support my business while still like keeping our family together is like, like, it's just amazing. So how long have you guys been together? Um, not incredibly long, man. So we got married October 1st of last year. Um, or excuse me, 21. So, you know, we've been together since we've met probably like or five years at yeah. this point so um, talk about some of the uh we can always talk about the good stuff right talk about some of the struggles was that like the first close person that you i mean because you're young man so yeah. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure you never had any other type of relationship like that right no Maybe, man but. definitely you know had some girlfriends you know a couple years at a time you didn't go thing, deep though like, no nah, yeah man, so nah, talk to me nah. about because like i know what it's like for my own life like talk about to me about the, some of the challenges when you're building and fostering this relationship you're really career driven um, you know, I'm not sure what her personality style is, but like, what is it like to now do life with someone else and try to blend your life with their life and try to serve two, two masters, yeah. right? Yeah, man. And it's, give me some of those, uh, give me, give me like the, give me like the toughest time that you guys had, <laughs> man. I think it's, uh, it's extremely difficult, right. To, to serve both masters, as you said. And, um, luckily we haven't, you know, everyone has their fights, you know, relationships take a lot of work. Um, but she is literally the most patient, selfless human being. Like I am not an easy person, you know, to, to be with. I can, I, I can assure you of that. Um, and coach bird, I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's a, he's a real estate coach and he has a something that's the bald dude. Yeah. 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 Like he's this real TikTok fiery guy. Yeah, like yeah. he's like a sales yeah. trainer kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. He's awesome. I, I've met him a couple of times and some of our real estate friends. We got to get him to do an event here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'll he, get behind that. He's uh, I'm not sure. I, I went to see him in person in Ohio one time. Um, but yeah, we definitely got to get him in Pittsburgh, but he has, uh, he has a, it's either a book or like some sort of like retreat he does. And it's called living with a monster. Right. Like, mm. and it's all like focused around. It's like, okay, you have your entrepreneur crazy, like personality. And then it's like, you have the wife, like, how do you deal with this person? Right. So, um, luckily we haven't had any like major, major, you know, meltdowns yet. We're still, we're still early knock on wood. But, um, I think some of the hardest things are just like, you know, since the baby came, like, I, I think it was, no one's prepared no one's prepared for that right and, mm. and, and especially first time moms right. and then first time dads too like because like you don't like it's just now you have three masters right <laughs> right 100 people well, actually four because we have a dog so like, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm last in right. line right on that list um but i think that the hardest struggle was when the baby came and like you know she's super selfless and stuff i'm naturally selfish and it's like how are how can you like put the baby's needs first and it's like okay you can't work the extra hour tonight like you have to like be there and like how do you figure out how to make time for you as a couple and we haven't figured it out man like we, we have not figured it out like if you if, if you brought my wife in here right now hooked her up to a lie detector test and said on a scale of one to ten like how happy are you in your marriage like i tell you right now it's not a ten you know it, it's a, it's a grind dude it's it's all a new adjustment and 
work is demanding and the baby. So like, you know, we're, we're figuring it out and you know, we're, we're, I would say we're on the same page. Like, you know, we communicate, we don't hate each other type of thing. Um, and it's just, I think it's a, just a daily like grind and improvement as you go through these experiences, you find a way to, you know, communicate better and be better for one another. But I think like day one, you know, we're in our first six months of boot camp with baby number one. Like we certainly don't have it figured out. Right. Mm. But we're, we're definitely, it'll, it'll it. get, it gets a little easier. Um, I'm not saying it gets much. Right. It does. That first six months is brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. I mean, even my second time around. So I have a nine year old and I have this one year old. And like the second time around, I mean, it's still, I mean, I even knew what to prepare for a little bit. <laughs> but my first one, I was out building a business. I was right. not the best husband right. and father. Like I can tell you that, you know, getting to do it again, you know, because I had a reset, right? right? Going through a divorce, you know, and it's like, it's like now it's like, all right, I can be a little bit better, but it's still hard. I yeah. mean, it's still impossible. I read a book that might help you called Radical Husband. Okay. It's an easy three hour book. It's for it's made for entrepreneurs okay. like us, you know. It's very short and you can listen to it on audio. Okay. But it's like there's like ten or twelve lessons in there about like what you can do to like be the best husband ever. And if you put your energy into that, like you do into your business, right. everything else flourishes around you. Because what I've learned is when you when you serve her, she will serve, she, she, they, they can't help right. but give that energy back to you to then you're actually even more efficient. You don't right. have to work more. Right. But we're not used to that because we've been grind, 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 achieve, 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 achieve. And what I've been learning is sometimes I just got to be. Right. Know that my team's got it taken care of. That's yep. what I've been working the last eight, 10 years like a maniac for. Right. And now it's time, but it's a hard place to just sit still, be present. You know, we, we want to check our phone, right? Dude. Like, like, does she does she ever tell you, hey, Kevin? Like, can you get off your phone? Uh, yeah, man. Of course. <laughs> I, I think just like the simple things of like, you know, we go to the mall, right? Go to the mall, and I'm like, it's a Saturday, right? She wants to hit a couple stores for the baby, and like, you know, maybe see a store for herself. I'll stop into a store for myself, maybe buy like four things, right? Dude, I'm on my phone, and I can't even help it. I don't even know I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> And it's like breathing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like involuntary. Right. And she's like, you know, she's like, we finally go to a store for her. And I'm like, so like ready to get the F out of there. I'm like, babe, like, come on. Like, let's, she's like, really, really? And I'm like, why, why am I passing this on to her? Right. This is a Saturday. Like whatever is blowing up on my phone, it can wait an hour or two hours until we get home. It really can. As much as whoever's on the other side of that request doesn't think it can, it, it can. Right. Um, so that, that's definitely a, <laughs> a work in progress. So how, uh, how's your definition of happiness, uh, changed as you've journeyed through life? Oh gosh, man, we're going deep. Um, I think for me initially early on happiness is sports. Like couldn't wait for bra basketball practice. Couldn't wait for football practice. Couldn't wait for the game. Like that's all like that would excite me. Right. Once you get into the professional world, like getting into the mortgage business, I remember just looking at my paychecks, man. Like if I can just hit, if I can just make six figures this year, I'll be happy. I'll never ask for anything more. Just a hundred thousand dollars. That's one of eclipse that mark. And then it's, you do it and it's like, okay, now what? Or, you know, nothing changed. Right. Right. Like so, it's not like, it's not like anything changed around right. here. I had that same thing, man. So like 10 years into the, I've been in the business about 10 years now, close to it. Um, and now it's, it's the happiness is the daughter and the family and, and like being able to see my daughter start to laugh. Like that's, 
looking at the paycheck, you know, is not where the happiness, you know, comes from. So for me now, it's it's truly the baby and obviously the wife and seeing the Buffalo Bills hopefully win a Super Bowl. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I think working out, you know, I get happiness from like just more of the simple things where before it was just purely paycheck oriented before that, obviously just tied to sports. So, yeah, that's uh that's one thing I'm, I'm learning too. I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, but I'm glad that you're learning it at such a young age. Cause that's, uh, that's impressive. And it's like, how do you, how do you transfer that knowledge and to your team and to everyone around you, your friends, you know, all the people that follow you, right? Like, how do you, how do you transfer that to them? Right. Because some people, um, haven't learned that, you know, right. you know, through their own life or situations. Well, I think it's tough, man, because it's everyone's in a different spot in their life, right? So, like, you know, for some people, maybe it is, you know, the paycheck is the number one importance if they don't have kids yet and, you know, they're not married. You know, that that is all they're focused on. And I, I understand, you know, what it's like to be in those shoes. So you try to I feel like being a, a, a manager and a leader, you know, of people, I think you try to figure out where they're at in their personal life and, and what shoes they're currently in and just try to, you know, help them you know, from your experiences the best you can. And, you know, just knowing that, you know, um, I think giver's gain is like one of the most important things. Like how do you find that giver mindset to always be giving without necessarily always looking for something in return? I think that's a, a big important piece of somebody's development to like get to the next level. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there where it's like, if they give you a, a you know, a, a penny, you know, they, they're expecting a quarter back and it's like, you can't always just give to expect receipt. And I think that controls a lot of people's development as well. Like figuring out that mindset and everything. Hmm. What, uh, what other dreams and aspirations do you have in life? Like what, uh, Oh man, I'm so, I never thought you'd ask this one. So really for, for, <laughs> for me, man, uh, I think my biggest dream and aspiration in life is, you know, having multiple kids and well, give me a number on multiple. <laughs> I mean, you know, I always tell my wife, like we definitely decided we want a second, it, it, you know, if we're, we're lucky enough to have a second. And then once we have a second and we'll see how we'll, we'll, we will see how the two feels right before we make a call on a third, you know, me being, you know, ignorant to having, three or four, I would probably say about three or four. And I'm just like envisioning like, you know, hopping the suburban, taking like three kids to basketball practice. I'm the coach. Like that is literally my biggest goal and dream to be able to like coach my own kids in sports, be at every practice, be at every game. Like that is honestly one of the biggest things that motivates me. So that's I, awesome. I, like for, from a business perspective, like obviously, you know, I'm dialed in and, you know, we're going to keep growing it you know, as, as best we can and, and keep doing what we can do. But, you know, um, after 10 years of doing it, it's like, you know, I'm going to keep hustling. But also like this stuff with family is so cool, man. Do so, you have any dreams or like aspirations outside of like, you know, the mortgage business? Like um, like, for instance, because I mean, movements like a, is it like a franchise? Is that how it works set up or like there's like you're based on location, right? Like. Yeah, so Movement, it's not a franchise setup, so I'm an employee of Movement. Um, oh, okay. I don't actually own Movement, but I did start it here. Um, I could obviously venture out and, and start my own kind of mortgage thing, and, you know, it's crossed my mind, don't get me wrong, but also, um, 
man, I'm such a Kool-Aid drinker, you know, of our company and I love our leadership and I'm so happy at movement that like I could probably make a little bit more money if I started my own, but the headache I'd have to go through Mm. to like make that transition to me, like movement would really have to start sucking for me to like be motivated to do that. Um, but I guess one of my other motivations and, and aspirations is, um, to coach. So I've, I've low key kind of like have a couple coaching clients right now in the mortgage space. Okay. Um, and it's really cool to like see them win after they implement something you tell them to implement. So yeah. that's been kind of a cool thing that I've been starting to do that I've been getting some enjoyment out of. Um, so, you know, probably eventually, like once I get out of the day to day of mortgage at some point in time, like probably be a coach or an executive with movement mortgage, just move up the chain a little bit. Yeah. So. More like the national macro level yeah. to be able to give guidance to all the locations. That's yeah. cool. One thing that I've, I've been doing as I've kind of exited out of the day to day at big fish is, um, I get the same type of joy from like contributing to the growth of others. Right. And so right. I have this passion now to work with other entrepreneurs, especially in construction, try to build companies, trying to figure out how to get that balance in life because yep. so many, you know, you see it cause you deal with a lot of people in real estate and it's hard to like get out of like what you do every day. Right. It's hard to like go from, you know, salesperson or, or hammer swinger right. to like, master of your domain and being able to have control of your schedule to be able to spend time with your babies and your kids and do things that you know that you love to do and have time for other people and and so we've uh i partnered up with a guy named joseph hughes at contractor dynamics and we have started like an we call it the arena mastermind okay and it's like uh we do weekly group calls on Wednesday at 2 p.m. And we just pop on Zoom and like, you know, one day he'll have like a little lesson, like do like 20 minutes and we do Q&A and we have like 30 or 40 guys in there right now. Um, sometimes we'll bring in ex- expert guest speakers That's and kind of awesome. like, yeah. So it's kind of like some of the stuff that we do locally and like have events and stuff like that. Right. But it's more like, all right, cool. We can connect with people all over the country. It's just an hour a week. So it's not this huge time commitment. Sure. It's a small investment. And um, because what I've learned is, is like doing this thing by yourself it's Hard. lonely, man. Yeah. Like it's lonely. Like there's no one like, you know, you just basically want to go back home and cry. Right. Like, you know, when's the last time that you cried other than that time in, in Houston in the apartment? <sighs> never, man. Never got to cry more, bro. I mean, I, I cried when my, when my baby uh, came out. Well, like, that's I, good. That was, that was wild. So those are some um, happy tears. Uh, I, I think you should have both constantly every yeah. day. I think you should try to find something either good or bad to cry about. Yeah. Um, have I you ever, saw, have you ever saw the Jimmy Valvano speech before? No, I don't think so. Oh, you love Jimmy Valvano. You're a basketball. You know who Jimmy yeah. V is? Oh, Jimmy V. I'm yeah, sorry. Jimmy v. His, yeah, yeah. Was that his like the SB speech? Like I right before I've, he died? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you yeah. say you got to love, you got to yeah. laugh, yep. you got to cry. Yep. yep, I've seen that. Because yep. if you do those three things every day, man, like you will be a more, you'll be a transcending human, and you'll be able right. to experience life for more of what it is. And I've, and it's tough for guys, right? Because we yeah. grow up in an environment where we keep it in, right? You right. know, your dad probably never showed any emotion, right? right? Probably right. like he's because he was taught from his right. dad, right? And we're just taught that way. And um, and as men, I think that we should probably try to embrace our feminine energy a little bit more, first right. of all, because it'll help us with the females in our life, right. <laughs> first of all, because, you know, that's kind of their energy. Um, and I think it'll lead to a more... Um, I don't know, beautiful life, but it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of woo woo, right? Right. Big tough guys like us can't really talk about that, <laughs> right. but here we are talking about it. So I think it's it's a combination, you know. Like I don't know if I can get behind, you know, crying every day, uh, but I, I think you know, just being more in tune with your emotions and communicating more effectively. Like I deal with people every day that it's like 
It's like, I know you're not really telling me what's going on here and something's bothering you, but for some reason you just won't like talk about it. Let's talk, right? Like we're all humans. Like you're going to have a good day. You're going to have a bad day, Mm -hmm. right? But like be open. I think just be more open with what's going on in your head. You know, you're not alone and, uh, you know, find that person you can count on to to talk to, to release some of that, you know? (laughs) Right. And, and that's awesome. Right. But like, sometimes I think that's great. I do think the only thing I've learned about tears is that they help shed a layer of the the buildup. Yep. Right. So we're building ever since we're a child, we're building these walls, right. To keep us safe, you know, to protect us. And, um, I think every time that you do shed a tear or have that conversation with somebody and you can open up and be open and honest and vulnerable, that you peel a layer back because the more times that we have all this, these calluses on us, the more times that we're like hard to interact with, we're hard to deal right. with. Right. And well, I think what you just said, you know, finding a way to be vulnerable is such an important piece. You know, I feel like sometimes my team, they look at me as like this machine. Right. And we had a, a meeting a couple of weeks ago where I had to get vulnerable with them on a couple of things of just the reality of some things going on in our business. And mortgage industry did not have a good year last year from a, ownership perspective, like just with compliance things like profitability is at all time lows for mortgage companies. So our, our company had to lay people off. And it's like some people on my team, we didn't have to lay off, but like other people got caught, their comp uh, comp caught, you know, at our, at our company. So like just ex- being honest with people and, and getting vulnerable with them to explain what's going on. Like if, if you're the leader or the entrepreneur, you know, of the business and you just try to take everything on your shoulders and you don't explain the why behind some of the challenges, like you got to get the team to know the truth of like, here's what's going on. Here's why we're making this decision. Here's why we're doing this. Or like, Hey guys, you've done such a fantastic job. We haven't had to lay anyone off, you know, even though most of our peers did like, let's keep doing this. Like, this is why your day-to-day is so important, right. To make sure we all have jobs and we can feed our kids. Right. So like, I, I think a lot of people shy away from those real vulnerable conversations in business. Um, cause like you said earlier, we're all trained to be this tough guy, right? And not be vulnerable and break down the walls and be a human to the other human, right? I think a lot. I think also too, like we're also, I mean, I know I've been afraid in the past and still am even today. Like, so there's always fear of like, if you're open, honest and vulnerable to people that aren't wired, like we are, they will, they will feel, um, for some reason in my head, sometimes I think that they're going to be scared, even more scared, more fearful. And, and then not know what to do with that. And I'm not going to be able to be there every minute of the, the right. day to like kind of keep my arm around right, them. Right, right. So sometimes I'm like, maybe like the less they know the better, but like, it's like this weird catch 22. Like, what do you, how do you, what do you say to that? That's tough, man. Cause I, I definitely know literally exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I'm thinking of certain people I interact with. Right. And it's like, if you tell them too much, they're going to be a worry wart. And then they might go start looking for another job because they're worried something isn't like, you know, tidy at home, you know, under your leadership. So I, I get it. And I think, it comes down to, you know, finding that balance and knowing each person and how they need to be approached to like get that message across because everyone's motivated in a different way. So Mm -hmm. when you're a leader of people, it's like, okay, I need to approach this person this way. If I do a group meeting, here are the things I'm going to say that should be safe and shouldn't send anyone off the deep end, right? And always finding ways to like keep it uplifting and positive. And I think, you know, that's what reduces turnover. I don't employ a hundred people, you know, I have seven people that, that work for me directly. And, you know, that's hard enough, right? To just yeah. keep them on the same page and motivated and, and uplifted. And I mean, yeah, I think only one, I think person can only really handle five to seven people to truly coach and lead. And right. like, you know, it's like a basketball team, right? It's like, 
you know, football teams are harder. That's why there's all these extra coaches, right? Right. Like they have right. all these, you know, you need an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams, the yep. head coach, don't even know what he does, you know, like yep. it gets more complex with more people. Um, and so I like to look at it as like, if you can just manage the five guys around on the field, a couple bench players, man, yep. it's like, that's like, that's all you can eat too. Right. And you still kind of need help with that. Cause I mean, if you can't then do some of the other things that you need to do in your business, what do you, any tips or tricks to like tell other people out there to like how to, how to lead with vulnerability and how to, how to get open and honest? Um, I mean, super cliche, but you know, keep it real. Um, I think a lot of people don't keep it real. And, and I feel like half of the problem is the leader isn't getting vulnerable. Like they're giving you like 20% of what's actually going on. So like, especially in big companies, you know, decisions are made and it's just the, the communication being passed down to like the field. So like in movement mortgage, for example, right. There's like CEO. And then there's probably like, I don't know, five to 10 people in executive suite level. And then below that there's like regional sales managers, branch leaders. So like there's layers before you're getting down to the salesperson, which is like a mortgage originator, yeah, like a loan which officer, is what right? I am, yeah. right? And then below the mortgage originator is like assistant and then processor and underwriter and closer. So it's like the there's just terrible messaging and communication in, in all companies, I feel like, when decisions are made and like actually getting the why behind it, I think is super important to to find an effective way to communicate with facts because like I feel like the more people know and can relate to why a decision was made and like okay like that makes sense right that's logical um i think your turnover is going to be less affected you know if people are truly in the know and i think companies send out like a blast email right and it's like okay you have four thousand employees blast email goes out to communicate something out of four thousand employees 500 read the email and then you have 3,000 pissed off employees not knowing why something happened, right? So it's like, what is an effective way when you have that many? I don't know. It's tough, right? I well, don't know the giving, I think giving power to every person that's in a little bit of a leader that, that employs a team that's having at least a weekly team meeting, giving right. them the power to like be able to convey that message. And it's, but it's like that game of telephone, man. Like <laughs> there's a lot of chances for that to get screwed up. Right. And then everyone, even if you did it perfectly, the person, you know, communication is a two way street. It's the person receiving it. Right. They could hear right. your message that was as perfectly clear as possible. They could take it a different way because of the circumstances there where they're at in their life. And right. so like now you deal with a lot of unknowns. And ever since I've been in, um, in a position of leadership, you know, over the last seven years here at Big Fish, the number one thing that I always ask at the end of the year is like, hey, what could we do better? Every single year, it's communication. So like to me, like they've probably been saying that for a thousand years. Right, right, right. And I don't know. Like I keep thinking that we're doing a better job and a better job. And I, I, and I know that we are trying to be intentional about it. But it is hard to get adoption uh, right. in that. So yeah. I think the reality is like you're never – depending on the size of your company, you can never like sit down and have lunch with a singular person and explain it. You know, the seven ways that have to be explained for them to like get the logic behind it. And like, you know, so you're always going to have struggles there, but I just think the better that you can use video, right. You know, if you can't, Oh yeah. Writing sucks. Yeah. Cause yeah. people are going to take it a different way. Yeah. Record yeah. A, a video, send it out in an email and then say, if anyone has any questions on this, let's set up a one-on-one or something. But I think emails just get way misconstrued. And Nobody like, even like reads it, them anyway. Like you them. said, like, yeah. I mean, like I, I get so irritated 
with people that are, you know, the smart people that use the email all the time that when they say, Oh, well, I sent that guy an email, like, <laughs> like, especially like I'm doing the, this coaching and this group coaching for all these entrepreneurs. We got like 90 guys in the group. Dude, these guys aren't checking their, if they were checking the email, they wouldn't be in the coaching program. Right. right. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like, and then like, you know, the girls get mad. Like, well, I sent them an email. Yeah. And they never followed up. I'm like, you ain't checking their email, dude. They're getting punched in the face. They're taking haymakers yeah. every single yep. day. And then they go home and their wife's beating them up and their kids are beating yep. them up. I said, they're, I said if they they might have glanced at the headline yeah i said like like a text message like and so you have to figure out different ways to communicate that's good man when i'm I, glad i'm not the only one that struggles with that it's, it's tough man and um uh, a lot of the people i'm coaching right now i always like to tell people you know some people in our business i'm sure in yours as well like they think they're going to wake up in the morning and they're just going to go around and deliver good news all day and it's going to be you know uh, rainbows and butterflies. And so one of the things that I, I coach on a lot is like, you got to be ready for at least five haymakers per day, per day. If you get through the day, if it's four o'clock and you've only taken two, well, you got three or four more coming, like strap up, get ready for the fight. Like this is, it's not going to be easy. Right. So it's like, I feel like a lot of people wake up and mentally they're just not ready for one haymaker. So yeah. just simple adjustments of waking up, be ready for the fight mentally, I think is so important for people to have a good day. Like they literally think nothing's going to go wrong. And then when something goes wrong, they're so scared to like, address it head on call their customer tell them what the problem is focus on solution like they're so terrified even though it happens every day for them for like the last <laughs> 20 years of their life they've had a bad day almost right. every day and right. they like can't yeah it is it is interesting well i guess that's why we're who we are we all have a superpower right and we've taken those haymakers and we've yeah. learned how to get through those so we can help other people get through them right um all right let's shift gears a little bit let's talk about why why is kevin O'Loughlin and the Movement Mortgage Team, the best place to do business as far as mortgages go in Pittsburgh. Man, I love it. Um, so going back to my early story, right? So like we were just handing out those pre-qualifications without actually checking, you know, to see if people actually qualified for the home. So that was one of the most terrifying things I've ever experienced. Like people have moving trucks packed and I'm telling them a day before closing that they're, de they're denied, right? That's a very painful thing, even though like- A day before closing? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, wow. I've, I've had plenty of those, right? So you're like a heartbreaker. Yeah, and it's, Whew. you know, you, I'm a human, right? So even though like I may be in Texas and they're like in North Carolina or wherever, you know, um, it's just that, that kind of is the reason I joined movement. So the biggest thing that makes this different at movement is we fully verify everyone up front like to make sure they actually qualify. So I'm going to ask people for more documents than what other lenders would when we're like pre-qualifying. Yes, you will. Yes, email, right? yes, you will. Yeah. yeah, I got a mortgage from you. But the, the reason um, we do that is because um, that pain that I went through, right? I never want to tell someone no. And, you know, over the last eight, nine years, we've closed about, I think about 2,600 mortgages. And I can count on one hand how many we've denied. And the reason we had to deny those, I think out of five, two were like just human error, right? Like miscalculated income or miss something, right? That happened. Your side so or their side? On our side. Oh, okay. On our side. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're human. We well, yeah, mistakes, but I also right? know that in that transition period, people's life changes too, right? And there's right. like different situations. And I think you always have to read. Don't you have to re-verify the yes. situation right before closing yes. too? <laughs> so out of five denials, two were human error, completely our fault. And then it's like we apologize and like try to re reimburse any cost or exposure they had during the transaction. And then the other three were just like, you know, 
changes of employment or something that they like something changed on their end that yeah. we had to re-verify, right? So that's not terrible. I mean, that's really good, man. That's like a ninety-nine point nine 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 percent like closing rate. I don't have an almanac right on where that ranks us, but I'm pretty confident <laughs> to say that like in the state of Pennsylvania, we're probably one on like conversion and pull through on our pre-approvals just mm. because of the extensive work we do. And the reason you, a lot of people are like, well, why would you do that? And like, why doesn't everyone do that? And the reason everyone doesn't do that is because if I don't get paid to issue a pre-approval, we only get paid when someone closes. So if you call PNC Bank, Wells Fargo, Quicken Loans, any of the big names that are out there, you're gonna talk to a loan officer and they're gonna pull your credit. They may not ask you for a single document and they're gonna give you that letter and say, hey, call me once you get under contract on a home because then once you're under contract on a home, that loan officer's- Then they're gonna, do the, then they're gonna do the work. Right. That's when they're within 30 to 60 days of making a paycheck. Right. Mm. So like we give our time without charging anyone anything to do that verification, to give them the peace of mind that, you know, their transaction is not going to fall through. And that is what has made us number one in the Pittsburgh market about four years in a row now for home buyers, because we have the utmost trust from our real estate agents. Most of our business yeah. comes from real estate it's agents customer service. and, and past it's like, clients. And it's high, five-star reviews. I mean, it's very similar. How do we do it? Big fish. It's like, when I come out, we're diagnosing your problem. We are getting, we are estimating every single thing that we think is going to be wrong. Now, again, a lot of times our prices are a little bit higher, sure. but we also don't change order anybody. Right. And so that's where we kind of have the same reputation as far as like, you know, great customer service. Cause there's a lot of contractors that'll show up. Oh, it's 10,000 bucks. Oh shoot. I forgot to do that and that and that and that because they didn't want to spend the time sure. on the front side. But I will say the value of that, as far as a business goes, it's like, man, all that works done on the front side. It's actually a lot easier. Right. Like, cause now you don't have to chase all those. Cause you already chased all the documents once. Right. You don't have to chase all those documents again. Right. Right. We don't have to worry about inspections a big. Yeah. It's that's cool, man. I like right. that. A lot of consumers get teed up the wrong way. Like the real estate agent will say like, Hey, it takes five minutes to get pre-approved. And if they're saying that to the customer and then they come and call me and we're asking for all these documents, <laughs> it's like, Kevin, I'm a pain in their ass. And it's like, oh, yeah. if I could only fully explain what I just said to every customer, they should be thanking us. Right. For Video. Working. We should just clip this, clip <laughs> yes. this, put that on the first login. You have to watch this before you go to the next yeah. page. I'm going to, honestly. There like, you go. It's, That's good. Because it's it's not many people will take the time and invest that time to make sure that they're fully qualified. So. Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate you being yeah. here today. Yeah, Is man. there any question that I didn't ask you that you wish I would have? Uh I think we hit. Uh, I think we hit everything, man. I think that I think we got pretty deep on some personal notes. We got to talk about the come up. Um, so I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So. How's everyone get a hold of you if they want to? Uh reach out to you for whatever reason. Yeah. Quickest way to get us is, is email um, or call. So our email is ko team at movement.com. Um, that comes directly to me and um, you know, we'll drop my contact information. I'm sure in the, in the comments here. So what about on social media? If people want to follow you, you're kind of a big deal on the social. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but um, uh, my Instagram is underscore Kevin O underscore. So connect with me on there and, and uh, hope to connect with you guys. So. Well, if you got value out of this podcast, please like, subscribe, comment below. If you have any questions about mortgages, any questions about Kevin's story, drop them in the comments. I'll make sure he responds. And uh, we'll see you guys on another episode of the Big Fish Cares podcast. Thank you for listening to the Big Fish Cares podcast.